Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of JA's Recipe for Success. Yes, I am back in the kitchen uh, here at home, but I know we're going to be back at JA World soon, and we're really excited about that. So today, um, you know, oh, by the way, I'm Lori Salarulo, if you don't know me, and I am the host of JA's Recipe for Success and the CEO of Junior Achievement of South Florida. You know, uh, one of the reasons that we started the show is uh, not only for our students that we serve so that they can hear the inspiring and motivating stories and journeys of leaders and entrepreneurs in our community and even some outside of our community. Um, and I've learned so much from these guests and I hope that you have too. And if there's any of the shows that you missed, you certainly can go back to our website, jasouthflorida.org uh, and check those out. There are some amazing recipes uh, in that cookbook on the website. So I hope you'll check them out. You know, this month is National Financial Literacy Month. Um, and yesterday I was over at JA World and I just standing in Finance Park, which is where we focus every single eighth grader um, on learning about personal finance budgets right? Understanding credit scores and debt and interest rates and uh, childcare, right? When they start to, to grow up and get married and have children uh, and all of those things. And, and of course, we talk about the career exploration and the career opportunities well, as well, but really focusing them on learning these basics and how important they are. And look at what's happening in our world today. So if you um, are interested in financial literacy, I really encourage you to get involved with an organization like JA and make a difference because we need to prepare our young children. And we're going to talk about that with today's guest. Uh, and this is someone that I've had the pleasure to work with over the last couple of years, at least a couple, um, and, and gotten to know a little bit. And I will tell you, I love her passion. I love her commitment. Um, and she is just, when she says she's going to do it, she does it. And I, I just love this about her. Uh, and so Jennifer Starkey, who is our guest today, is the Senior Vice President, Regional Pres Vice President at TD Bank. And she serves all of Broward and South Palm Beach and Collier counties. Um, she has over 25 years of banking experience. And we're going to talk a little bit with Jennifer about financial literacy. And we're going to hear about her ingredients to success. So let's bring her in. Good morning, my friend. Good morning, my friend. How are you today? I am awesome. Awesome, awesome. Um, it was so good to see you a week or a week and a half ago. Um, I miss seeing people during this COVID. So it was nice to be able to be out and, and in a controlled environment outdoors uh, and to get to spend some time with you. It was such a surprise and such a pleasure. Um, you know, uh, we were both with Steve, meeting Steve Noodleberg, one of our favorite sales gurus, um, you know, working every day to get 1% better, as yeah. he likes to say. And it was such a great surprise and made my day to be able to spend some time outside with you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad I jumped over there. Um, so I want to jump right in a little bit. You know, it's interesting when this pandemic happened, my I, my first reaction was to say to my daughter, who's 25 and lives in her own apartment. And, and I said to her, do you need help? And she said, no, mom, I got this. And I'm like, what does that mean? She said, no, I've got like six, seven months rent in the bank. I had been working on my credit score. So my credit score is good and, and I'm okay. And I'm going to continue to work. And she was going to school and taking some classes at night. 
And so I said, okay, great. And, and it made me realize that all those years that I was talking to her about how important a credit score was. And I, I would it just stressed her that if you don't have a good credit score, you can't, can't go get a, a car without mom or dad. You can't go buy a house without mom or dad, right? It can right. make or break um, all of the dreams that you might have um, and make it really challenging. And so I'm, I'm curious for you, right? Did financial literacy, did you have a chance to learn that when you were younger? And if you did, did that help? And if you didn't, how did it, how do you wish you had? Right. I mean, I, I think just like your daughter was lucky to have you as a mom to be able to instill that knowledge. I, I was a daughter of two bankers. So uh -huh. we started talking about, uh, you know, savings and budget and, um, you know, earning funds that, you know, if, if you wanted to buy something, you need to save up for it. And, you know, our parents gave us different chores that we could do to earn those funds, to be able to buy that thing we wanted. Um, so for me, it started very early and, and very young. Um, even when I was ready to buy my first car, my father said, I will lend you the money. But he also created a coupon book with an interest rate you know, and I paid him back every month. And, and it really made me feel very proud um, to be able to uh, go to work and, and pay my father back. It, it really was one of my first experiences about learning about how to borrow money, how to budget for something and really saving for something uh, that you want. Um, but I also was a, a student of junior achievement in, in central Jersey, you know, when I was a teenager, um, we worked with a local organization that brought in junior high students and, and we created our own little business. So that was also a, a great learning experience for me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love when I hear that people are alumni um, and that they understand the program. And so now I understand why you're so supportive of JA. Uh, and we appreciate that. So <clears throat> let's, you know, it's such a shame. I talked, I mentioned briefly what's happening in our world today and how many people were not prepared and the statistics are staggering, right? Of what's happening. What are you seeing, you know, from the banking industry, what are you seeing, um, you know, with your customers and how, how do you think people are, are doing? Sure. Um, you know, people are doing better now that, you know, a year has passed. If we, if we look back a year ago, there was so much uncertainty. Um, no one had a pandemic playbook um, and no one knew how big was the impact going to be? How long would it last? Um, and, and, you know, people were, you know, their, their contingency plans, some of them, they didn't have contingency plans and others thought, well, my contingency plans aren't good enough and won't, you know, we don't know how it's going to go. So there was so much uncertainty, but not only did the government step up with programs to help support businesses and keep people employed, um, banks participated in the PPP program helping to get those funds into the hands of business owners so that they could pay their employees and, and keep food on the table and roofs over the head of their employees. Yeah. Um, so people are doing better now, 
Um, but there certainly was a tremendous amount of uncertainty and um, people really struggled tremendously over the past year. Yeah. And I mean, listen, who expected this to go on so long? So even if you had a contingency plan, right, they always told my dad always said you have to have six months rent in the bank. Right. That would not have been enough today without the help right. Right, that people are getting. So I'm sure that your team, because I know from experience of working with your team, they do an amazing job supporting uh, your customers. And, and so thank you for that. And we really appreciate it. And we'll talk. I'm sure that customer service is going to be somewhere in the ingredients there. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about Jennifer, because uh, this is really about for our students and for those watching, um, hearing the ingredients and some of the things that made you successful. So my first question, of course, is how did you end up in banking? Was it because your parents were bankers or, you know, and you kind of thought that was the only thing there was? Yeah, for me, um, you know, if you had asked me, do you want to be a banker? I would have said no. My parents were bankers. Um, they had great careers. Um, I really wanted to be a teacher. Um, and I went to school for psychology and I went to graduate school. I was working on my master's in, in education, um, but I was working at the bank to help pay for graduate school. And um, during that time period, they were gonna hire 10 people um, and they were working moms who were coming back into the workforce. Um, and they said, Jen, you wanna be a teacher. Would you like to teach these new employees how to work at the bank. And I said, oh my gosh, I would love that. Um, so that was like a light bulb moment for me where I found out, you know what? I could be a teacher in any role working in any industry. I really enjoyed my time working at the bank. Um, and the executives called me in and said, you know what? Your working moms are doing more work than our full-timers. Um, would you consider coming to work for the bank full-time? And uh, I said, well, you know, I am going to grad school to be a teacher. Um, and they said, well, what do you think you're going to make, you know, when you're a teacher? And of course, this is going back, you know, almost 30 years ago. And I said, well, you know what? When I get my degree, I'm going to make $24,000 a year as a teacher. And they said, we will start paying you that tomorrow if you come join our team. And so it was one of those, you know what? I slept on it. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna try this and I'm gonna see if I like it. And if I don't, I can always go back and finish my graduate degree and become a teacher. But you know what, Lori, it was really the best decision I ever made because in every single role that I've had throughout my 30 year career, I've had an opportunity to teach. Um, so it's uh, just been such a pleasure to be a banker. And, and you know, we say we want to, enrich the lives of our customers, colleagues, and communities. And I've really been able to follow my personal passions um, while working at TD Bank. Mm. Well, that's, that's, you know, it's so interesting, I think, as, and that's why we, we truly believe that, you know, giving young people the opportunity to go into jobs, right, after they go through some of our high school day programs, really, I mean, if nothing else, it'll teach them what they don't like, but it might also spark something where they don't even realize that there's opportunities right anywhere for to do what they love and they find their skill set. And your skill set was teaching and I'm sure inspiring and motivating at the same time others. Right. And so and you're still doing that, uh, even though that may, might not be your primary role. 
And so how did you actually transition then from teaching bankers to be bankers um, to actually being a banker? Sure. Um, right. I think it's you have to be a lifelong learner. Right. So when you step into a role, you may not know everything about that job. Um, and especially women, too. We tend to look at job applications and say, oh, I only know eight out of 10 of these items. I'm not even going to apply. Whereas studies show men will look at that same list and go, oh, I know eight out of 10. I'm definitely applying. Right. Um, uh, and and so it's having that confidence that, you know, you're going to have skill gaps in any role you take. But, you know, if you have a supportive mentor, if you have sponsors, if you are working for a good organization that continues to enrich and, and provide knowledge to their employees and training, um, then you're just going to learn where you have a gap. And, and then, you know, strive to have to learn, um, you know, it, this journey, both with financial literacy and career, um, the most successful people are lifelong learners. Um, and so you just got to keep pushing yourself. And, and whether you're a banker, a nurse, uh, it, you know, it's the same thing. You are you are continuing to learn and push yourself farther. Yeah, it's so funny. People think that because you get to a certain position or you have a certain title that you know all of it and you know all the answers and you know how to do it all. And I'm constantly researching and looking to see how we can do things differently or better or, you know, I mean, it's constant. So no matter what level you're at. <clears throat> so you talked about finding an organization that supports uh, their people um, and you have led teams throughout your entire career, right? I'm sure some small teams, some larger teams. Talk a little bit about you as a leader Right. And what's important, like how, you know, listen, that culture of your team um, is so important. Um, talk a little bit about that. How do you get the people to follow you? Sure. Um, it's not about them following me. Right. My role is to help them be successful. And that's going to be different for every person on the team. Right. Everybody needs a little something different. Like we were just saying, everybody has different skill gaps. Um, and it might just be offering them up an idea that they haven't tried before. Um, you know, that's where your experience comes into play. But, it, you know, as a leader, we don't know everything. So it might be, you know what, that's a really good question. Or I understand what your challenge is. Let's find someone who could give us a suggestion to help overcome that challenge. Right. So it's having that internal network, external network and resources that you can turn to when there's some uncertainty as to what the next step is. So really it's, you know, my job is to help people be successful. That to me is what a leader is. And it's really listening, um, being supportive, being available, and uh, really taking every situation on an individual basis, not a one size fits all uh, program. Yeah, and that probably is so true also, not only with your people, but with your customers as well, right? And I think so often, especially big banks, I came from banking a long time ago. Um, but, you know, at the big banks, it, everything was pretty much the same, right? Every customer walked in the bank. I remember being a customer service rep on the floor, right, of the branch. 
every customer came in and it was pretty much here, here are the accounts you can open and it's kind of by rote. Talk a little bit about that, how banking has changed in that way uh, around relationships and, and, and working with your customers. Sure. I, I really feel the most successful banks are the ones where it is customer centric and relationship based. Um, you know, at TD Bank, um, it doesn't matter what size business you are. You might be a solo entrepreneur working out of your kitchen um, or you might be an organization that earns, you know, twenty five billion dollars a year and has thousands of employees. Every business gets a dedicated relationship manager and they're local. Um, not every bank takes that approach. Not every company takes that approach. Um, for us, we like when you deal with local people that you do run into in restaurants, you know, in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and, and it is about building a relationship, building that trust um, and really understanding what are your strategic goals whether you're one of our personal customers or business customers, right? It's about having conversations, understanding what your challenges are, what your strategic goals are, and then us, maybe it's some of our financial solutions that help you meet those goals, or maybe I can help connect you to other people in our community, whether you're looking for more customers or maybe you're looking for some new vendors, right? So, so it is that relationship and trust um, I feel that that's where the most successful bankers and, and the most, we don't even call ourselves bankers. We call ourselves relationship managers. Yeah. By the way, I've stolen that model for uh, JA, uh, <laughs> uh, but we're going to let that simmer for a moment. We're going to take a really quick break because it is financial literacy month to show, I think a really powerful little video. So we'll be right back. Please welcome tonight's presentation of what I want to do when I grow up. When I grow up. I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. I don't want to cry when paying the bills. When I grow up. I don't want to be turned down for a business loan. I don't want to borrow a lot for an education. And then not know what to do with it. When I grow up, I don't want to be paid less. Told I'm underqualified. Or overqualified. When I grow up. When I grow up. I want to know how to save for my future. Find a job I like. And start my own business. When I grow up. I want to know how to provide for my family and invest in my community and make a difference. When I grow up, when I grow up, when I grow up, when I grow up, I just want things to be different. At Junior Achievement, we promote economic empowerment through education, but we can't do it alone. So I get the goosebumps every time I watch that video. Um, and That's we can, amazing. Right. Um, and it, it just really hits home. Um, and at the end, you know, it talks about that Jay can't do it alone. And obviously we can't. Um, it takes um, so many of our partners, right? Um, volunteers, you know, we work with over 7,000 volunteers. You guys are part of that number. Um, and I, I want to talk about that a little bit, not from the Jay perspective, but you are probably one of the most active people in the community um, that I know. And we just went from talking about relationships, right? Building relationships and being out in the community. 
you know, um, you're a member of United Way, the Tocqueville Society, uh, the Moms Club, uh, March of Dimes, American Red Cross, National Association of Women Business Owners, and the list goes on and on. Um, talk about that commitment to community, not only individually for you. You know, I, I tell people all the time that the first reason and, you know, most important reason for getting involved in the community is to give back and make a difference, right? And it feels good. But there's also, let's be be honest, right? Uh, as a leader in this community, there are also benefits to that, right? Building that, that circle of influence and all of that, um, that benefit us in business or in, in whatever we're doing or whether it's a challenge we have in our family or whatever. Uh, talk a little bit about that was, you know, what, what was it that instilled that sense of community in you? Sure. For me, um, you know, it started at home it, and, it, and it started where I saw my mother um, not only have a job, but she seemed to have what I thought was another job, um, you know, where she, you know, would come home from work, have dinner, but then, you know, need to go out again to an event or um, to a meeting. Um, and as I grew older, I realized that she was volunteering in the community. Um, and, and volunteering to help people that were less fortunate than us. Um, and that kind of commitment was instilled early as a child. But, you know, as I, you know, went from back office operations banking to, you know, kind of front of the house relationship management banking, that is where I learned the power of the people and power of connection. Um, not only from a business perspective, right? Because um, rarely are you sitting in a bank and, and someone walks in and says, I want to borrow $5 million, right? Um, you know, you, you have to go out into the community and meet people and, and tell your story about how you can help people. Um, and so there's many ways to do that. Um, but why not do it in a way that you're also following your personal passions? Um, so for me, uh, it was, well, I really love supporting women business owners. So I joined the National Association of Women Business Owners. Um, I've had the opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. and, and you, know, um, you know, talk to our representatives about what women business owners need from our government. Um, you know, American Red Cross, our, our country is, you know, you never know when you're going to have a natural disaster or a fire in a home. Um, so to be able to uh, talk about that organization. Um, I would go to chamber meetings and I would say, not only do I want your business, but I want your blood. Um, and, and people would laugh, right? People would laugh and come up to me afterwards and say, you know, that was really funny. And it would be that conversation starter um, so that we could get to know each other better and find out how can I help you and how can you help me? Um, yeah. And, you know, it feels good to um, give back to your community and to really I feel like you have to do that to say you're a part of the community. Um, you know, from a from a bank perspective, um, you know, 2020 was a tough year for a lot of organizations. I'm so proud that, you know, TD was able to give $130 million to right. not-for-profits in our community last year. Um, and and talk about our employees. Our employees worldwide, even though we were all working from home, except you know our brave frontline people in our stores, um, we still, as a company, did 80,000 hours 
of community volunteer uh, service in 2020. I, I mean, it gives me chills when I think about that commitment to our community. It would have been very easy to just, you know, stay at home, take care of ourselves, right? A lot of people had a lot of things on their plate, um, but they didn't forget about our community and our not-for-profit partners in the community because we want all of you to be able to continue your mission. Um, so, you know, from a, it's, it's yes, there's a, a business side to networking and connecting with people, but when you do it authentically and you're coming from a place where I really do want to help you, I'm passionate about your mission, then it's not even work, right? Yeah. It's, it's, and that really is when you know you're doing what you should be doing because it doesn't feel like work. You're just following your passions. Yeah. Steve always says, right. One of the, I think one of the books, one of the chapters in his book is about give to get. Um, That's and right. I, I think that when you are giving for the right reason, to your point, and not giving to get something back, right? Um, that it's it's like karma. When you do good things, I truly believe that good things will come back to you. And so when you are giving to the community because you're passionate about something and you want to make a difference, right? Um, it's it, it just feels great. You know, when I when I'm done in this lifetime, the legacy will not be how many millions of dollars were raised. Um, it, you know, it, those are not that I, you know, led an organization or whatever, whatever it is that what the legacy will be right is, you know, how many families who had children with disabilities, like I did, did I help, you know, that came after me? How did I make a difference for that? Right. By working on boards and bringing down funding or whatever it was. That's the legacy. My family, my children, right, are my legacy and and where I touch this community. So, so much more important. Uh, so I agree with you. And I think in the end it comes back, you know, uh, hopefully. It absolutely so, does. I, I totally believe, believe what you put out in the universe uh, comes back the same way. And, exactly. you know, uh, you talk about being the CEO of an organization, right? Um, it. We, we always say we may be the only in the room or we may be the first in the room, but let's make sure we're not the last, right? Absolutely. So we're always working to develop our people and develop our teams um, so that the mission can continue. Well, and you know, that's take, thank you so much because I was going down the road of the women in leadership uh, group, the lead community uh, that you are extremely involved in. I believe you're the co-leader at um, TD Bank's program. Um, and so, as you said, you know, we recently did Girls Rule. We were chatting about right. that before the show started. Um, and we had started working with the girls, doing some scholarships at Rosé Soiree, you know, the last couple of years, doing a couple of small little mentor. Remember when we had the girls on the inner circle? Um you know, but we said, okay, wait, there's, there's a, there's a need, there's a desire for this, for the women to give back to the girls and for the girls to take, right? Like sponges, right? Take what we can give them. And so I said, we got to figure out a way to do this deeper and bigger. And so uh, that's how Girls Rule came about. And, you know, we thought, well, is this the year to launch it or not? It turned out to be a great year to launch it um, and was extremely successful. And, um, you just hit the nail on the head. You know, there were women who came before us, right? Who, who, you know, trailed the path 
uh, and led the way for us. And we need to do the same. But you're working, and, and this is was my passion too, like even at Leadership Row, it's not just about the young girls. But, you know, so often we have women who are in the business world and we throw them into managerial positions, right, without really helping them. Um, and so I'm always looking at how do we help our young girls, right, from teenage years, middle school years, all the way up to that middle management. And I think, you know, there's so much out there for C-level leaders, but there's not enough out there for that middle management or those emerging starting out leaders. Talk about lead and what what kind of work you're doing around that with women. Sure. So one of the things we saw in the commercial bank was, uh, you know, we would hire people out of college, men and women. They would go through our credit training program. Uh, they would become credit analysts. They were successful. But we tended to then see the women leave the organization. And, and it really made us pause because we're thinking, all right, they're getting the same training. Uh, you know, they're, they're working with the same managers and, and, and uh, you know, so what is that missing ingredient that seems that our women credit analysts uh, don't see themselves having a lifelong career uh, with the bank? So, you know, we, we had to kind of pause and really dig in and have some, you know, very honest conversations and, and asked questions and, and were open to hearing, uh, you know, honest feedback. And, uh, you know, when we looked at the commercial bank, um, because that was happening, we didn't have a lot of female leaders uh, in the commercial bank. Um, so we thought, what can we do internally on our own uh, both the women that work in the commercial bank and our allies, right? Because we need our allies to be a part of it as well in order for it to be successful. So, you know, we had three amazing uh, commercial women come together and join, form this lead group. Um, and it was looking at our existing talent and people we thought are really high achievers. And we wanted to give them that extra support we wanted to talk to them about storytelling, about career building, skill building, about confidence, about how to present yourself, about personal brand, about how to network internally within the organization. Um, and, and that has the program has been around now for probably three or four years, and it has had a tremendous impact. We have so many more women leaders just in this short time frame, And we have so many women who are like, I want to be a part of lead. I want, you know, how do I get into this group? Right. So, you know, whereas there may have only been a few commercial leaders, now we have many women commercial leaders and it's giving people, you know, when they see someone, when they see themselves in someone in management, it helps them think, you know what, if Jen Starkey could do it, I could do it too, right? There's there's no limit, right, to your um, potential. And so I, I think, again, I'm not the first uh, and, and I won't be the last, right? And part of my passion is supporting the women in the commercial bank and throughout our entire bank, Maine to Florida, um, to make sure that women do see their potential and, and that we are here to support them so that they can reach their career aspirations. Mm, so, so true. I don't know. It sounds like we might have stolen the format for girls. Rule, 
I didn't know anything about this at the time, but same idea. So imagine if we can begin to instill that confidence, right? And that understanding of how to build your brand from a young age. Imagine the leg up, right? That our young girls will have. <clears throat> Great work. <Absolutely. clears throat> um, and so now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read back some of the ingredients to your success that we talked about and that came out in our conversation. And then I'm gonna ask you for your main ingredient to success. So um, one of the things you, you talked about um, is, uh, you know, getting to know and finding your passion, finding your skills early on. It may not be what you think you want to do, but in the end, you might find out that there's opportunities. Right. And so I being open was what I heard right? being open to the opportunities, um, teaching others. That is something that has gone through this entire conversation, right? You talking about mentoring and teaching and inspiring, uh, be a lifelong learner. Um, so important. And I always say this to the group, I'm a work in progress and I will be till the day I die. Right. Um, and so keep on learning, building that confidence. So important, especially for our young people, having mentors who also mentor you, not just people you're mentoring, finding right. Um, things that in ways you talked about an organization that supports people. And, and what that says to me is, you know, to remember that, the environment that you're going to spend every day in, make sure that the values, right, and the supports uh, and the dedication to the people are there in the organization you choose to work for. Um, and helping others to succeed, again, that teaching, seeing that teaching thing, using your network, internal and external, to solve problems, right, uh, and to grow programs or whatever it is you're working on, listening, skill set um, sometimes we're not always as good at right most for most of us um, being available to your team i love that and no matter and that you know obviously the bigger your team gets the harder that is but still finding ways for them to know that that you're there for them um, building relationships and building trust two things very important um, understanding the pe people's goals whether it's the people that work for you on your team or your customers uh, and understanding what they need so you can help them. The power of connection and the commitment to community, two big things you talked about. Um, and then authenticity and honesty that you touched on as well. And obviously, you know, what comes out loud and clear is finding your passion because you're obviously extremely passionate about the work that you do in the community. You're passionate about the work that you do with TD Bank. Um, and so I love that. And we're fortunate to be able to partner with you. We're fortunate to be able to work with you, right? So we have both, both sides of the spectrum. Um, so on one hand, you have to, right, you service us. And on the other hand, we hope we service you um, and bring, bring a, a value to our partnership. With all of those ingredients, it's no wonder, right, that you are um, a huge success and so well-respected. What is the main ingredient, though, to Jennifer Starkey's success? That I say, I do what I say I'm going to do. So it's, uh, we talked about this a little bit um, when we met for lunch, right? It's about follow up and follow through. So if I say we're going to do something, then we're going to do it. Um, and if we can't meet a certain deadline, I'm going to let you know ahead of time, hey, we may need an extra day to meet that deadline. But it really is about being accountable for your actions and, and following through on things that you committed to doing. Mm, I love that. It's true. It's one of my pet peeves, actually. <laughs> 
is accountability, right? Take responsibility for your words, for your actions. Um, and when you say you're going to do something, do it. Um, so I, that is absolutely one of the things that drives me crazy when, when I don't see it. And so I try to do that myself. So I love that one. And I love that you took the time this morning to, to spend time with us. Um, can't wait to share this all over social media, some really great, great ingredients to success. Um, and I want to say thank you. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for being you. Um, and thank you for all that you do, not only through TD Bank, but in the community. Well, Lori, right back at you. I, I not only appreciate, you know, what you do with JA and your mission, I appreciate you and, and uh, your commitment to individuals with diverse abilities. I appreciate your commitment as a mother um, and as a CEO and, and what you do in the community, even outside of JA. Um, we certainly appreciate the business as, a, as being a customer of TD Bank, um, but really I value your friendship uh, above all else. So well, thank you for you. that. And I really appreciate this opportunity to have joined you today. Well, thank you. I mean, it, it made perfect sense during the month of financial literacy that you all are just so behind that and supporting it, um, that it made sense. We had to talk about it with you. So thank you so much. Thanks to everyone who's watching or who will watch when this gets posted out there. Um, and let's keep cooking. Thanks, Jen. Thank uh, you.